you have, said Davies, tidying up and that. That's right. You're off then? Yes, I'm off. No bombs, nothing went bump in the night. The man could scarcely withhold his disgust. I should think not, he said. You must be mad. Who'd want to blow up this place? Search me, shrugged Davies. He began to shuffle down the path. Good morning. He made towards the gate. The caretaker wiped his nose with his fingers and watched the long, retreating brown overcoat. And good riddance, he said, just loud enough for Davies to hear. Davies was almost out of the gate when he paused by a massive flat tombstone which had sunk spectacularly at one corner. Oi! he shouted out at the caretaker. Here's one that needs straightening. Up yours too, said the man unkindly. At ten o'clock, notwithstanding his uncomfortable night duty, Davies was due to give evidence in court. The Queen versus Joseph Beach, attempted felony, viz. a pigeon loft. Because he disliked testifying in court, he often wished the pubs opened at breakfast time. Too frequently he found his sympathies on the side of the accused. First he took the Lagonda and its torpid dog to the tin garage where he kept them. Kitty growled ungratefully when roused from beneath its tarpaulin for breakfast. The dog was a heavy animal with a rattling chest, a cross between a St. Bernard and a yak. Its chest vibrated nastily, and it cleared its throat. While it ate, he tried to pull a few bits of debris from its matted and tangled coat, but the animal rolled a threat from its throat. Davies desisted. "'Sod you,' he said in disappointment. You'll just have to miss Crafts. A few hundred yards short of the court was a cafe painted the appropriate hue of H.P. sauce. It was called the Copper Kettle, although the original kettle had been stolen long ago. It was that sort of neighbourhood. The establishment was owned by a villainous couple, Mr. and Mrs. Villiers, who nevertheless made a sensible cup of tea and attracted a clientele of constant interest to the police. Davies had once good-naturedly bought a tea and a round of bread and dripping for a man in there who appeared to be in some need. He was, in truth, impoverished, mainly because he'd failed in an attempted armed robbery on a post office only the day before. Davies's kindly and typical indiscretion might have gone unnoticed, but for the fact that the man, when arrested and charged in court, made public thanks to his benefactor from the criminal dock. Davies drank his tea from a large stony cup, and winced as the proprietor behind the sodden counter took an investigative bite of the five-pence piece he was proffered in payment. He did that every time, and for Davies anyway the joke had grown cold. Nevertheless, he was greeted with friendship at the court. As he went through the outer hall, minor malefactors of all persuasions— Drunks, shoplifters, threatening words and behaviourists, willful damagers and obscene exposurers bade him a familiar good day. Morning, Dangerous. God bless you, Dangerous. They nabbed me at last, Dangerous. He walked, smiling and nodding to each side, like the popular manager of a happy factory. Jealously, other officers frowned. The magistrate's courtroom seemed to him at times like a small amateur theatre, with the public spectators, the police, the press reporters and the witnesses playing their clumsy parts, eager for every trivial, shocking exposure, 
always nodding knowingly as evidence accumulated, always laughing at some dry joke of a magistrate. At times, even the accused would join in the laughter, and then Davies was tempted to warn him it would not ingratiate him with the trio of looming justices on the bench above. After the drunks had been processed, the courtroom was redolent with the odour of morning after. A lady magistrate held her handkerchief to her imperious nose. The warrant officer made a disgusted face, but pulling himself together, called, Case of Joseph Beetzer, number 23. Davies sighed, pulled off his overcoat as though he were reluctantly stripping to fight, and shambled in his large, old, blue suit across the courtroom to the witness box. He stood, Bible-poised, ready to make the oath, the suit hanging forward like a threatening avalanche. The magistrate eyed him with a disapproval not far elevated from his examination of the prisoner Joseph Beach.